What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. If it's your first time coming to hang out, let's just run down what's going to go on today so everybody can be on the same page. The name, Buds, Bros, and Superheroes, are the three categories of the conversations that we'll be having today. In the Buds section, we picked up some new merchandise that we'll be talking about, as well as this episode is releasing on a holiday. No, it's not 420. It's the other cannabis holiday, 710. Fun facts about that ahead in the bros section. Me and my guest today, uh, Megaliza is back, guys. Not going to bury the lead. She's my wife, and we have two pit bulls. And we, we find a lot of the time that people hear that, and they're like, oh, God, pit bulls. Those are dangerous, right? Fuck no. We're going to go through some facts, some misconceptions, and a bunch of other things on one of the best dogs ever. And finally, in the superhero section, we're going to talk about a movie, a highly fucking underrated movie, if you ask me. One of the best movies to ever be based off a comic book, so that's how we're going to kind of settle it into the superhero genre. Josie and the Pussycats. That's right. Fucking amazing. My name is Nick James. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. I already brought her up before, but let's give an actual introduction to my wife, Megaliza. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Thanks so much for coming back, dear, quote unquote. You live here, so it's not like you had to travel anywhere, but it's great to have you sit down and do this again. These are two parts of my life that don't intercede as much as you think, so it's fun to do this with you. You got it. I'm happy to be here. Those are the things coming up on this episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. Again, I can't thank you enough for checking us out, but let's get right into it the way that we always do in the Bud section. So in this Bud section, we went and we picked up at our local Harvest, the place in which we like to go the best. We got two products in which, to be honest, I'm very fucking thrilled about right off the bat. We picked up a new cart, I think is what they call them. A cart, yeah, a cartridge for our, our vape. And it's delicious, dude. Go ahead and tell them what we picked up. So we've got a strain of the rhythm that we're smoking. It's called banana cream. It's an indica dominant, but it's I don't think it's so indica dominant that you're in in the couch. I hate that. Sorry, the joke again. The in the couch do, indica. It's definitely relaxing, but I'm still able to do things and get things done. I would have to agree. Not only that, but we went for the big boy. We picked up the largest one you could. We were looking at all the prices. We're like, Jesus, this is huge. And then when we put it on, we looked at the size compared. Like, it's filled all the way to a top. I think it was 100 milligrams in all. But it is very good, and I can't agree more in the fact that, like, you could puff on this and still get shit done. Right. But I I do have to say, I'm not going to say it tastes like banana cream. It doesn't have, it's not killer on the taste, I have to say, because I was just in the state of Washington where there is recreational weed. And while I was out there, I got a a watermelon-flavored vape, THC, you know, a marijuana vape. And that taste, man, whoo, it really, it was, it sat on your tongue. It was good. It was light. It was almost like sucking on a candy, like a hard candy. That was flavorful. That was, but that again, that's recreational. That's a different kind of monster, I guess, more... They might have different laws in place that allow you to put extra or less flavoring or stuff like that into medical, uh, right? And this is all looks very procedural from what you were telling me. It was a fun color and all the colors kind of coordinated. So when you picked it up, you know, watermelon was a green one and shit like that. Right. I do think some of those laws come into effect between the medical and the recreational and just trying to make it look as quote unquote legit as possible and not something fun. Yeah, it was definitely like it was definitely aimed. It had to be aimed towards women buyers because it was slim, it was sleek, it was a a fresh color. It was a a teal, and the name of it was Elevated, which I just think is super catchy. And you know, 
I, I definitely felt like I was, it was a good product. And if I were out there again, I would, you know, definitely pick it up. Or if I was in a state that had recreational, I would definitely look for the elevated brand because it was just nice. Any listeners out there also have elevated? Let us know in the comment what your favorite one is because from what you described, dear, it's something that I, I want to get my hands on pretty soon. Next up, we also picked up some G Leaf, Grandpa's Stash. I usually try not to go for names just because of the name, but I did it a little bit here. Grandpa Stash is a fun name. Uh, it is the small flowers. I don't know if I read that wrong in the menu, but I was expecting bigger buds. But I'm also a fan of their mini Mondays with Franklin Labs, so small buds is something I'm used to. Right, uh, but I wish that, I wish it made them, they made it more clear on the website. That was because I thought we were getting regular size flower too. Not that we aren't going to enjoy it because we will. So seven grams of it with the small buds, and it comes in at 28.7 on the THCA, no CBD in it. Really, again, hits hits me quite nicely in terms of, all right, you know, what are we going to do now instead of like, what's on the television kind of thing? You know, we got the lawn cut today. We got outside work, took the dogs for their W-A-L-K. We can't say that word in our house or else they'll know. I, I very much like it, and it tastes very well. It looks good. Smells good all around. G Leaf isn't bad. You know, I try not to. I love Franklin Labs, so they're my Coca Cola. Very rarely will I go for a Pepsi or an RC, if you will. And uh, this is this is this is that, but it's still very good. Let me get a smell of that. I forget what it smells like. It's been a minute. Yeah, that's nice. It's light, not too not too potent. Very very delicious. So shout out again to Harvest. Great prices always. Great people working there. Love them very much. To continue with the bud section, we're going to talk about 710. So 710 is considered a quote-unquote stoner holiday for consuming cannabis oil products, dabs, or concentrates. The term 710, ready for this, rotated down, spells out oil. That's right, guys. Think about 710, flip it and rotate it. It spells out oil. Mind blown. Mind blown too, man. You can send that as a message on on your calculator. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, used to describe highly potent cannabis products such as hash oil, shatter, wax, and so on. So I have tried shatter. We have tried a butter, B-U-D-D-E-R. I'm not sure if I've ever had like a resin. I've seen those. But just anybody out there. So Concentrates 101, again, thank you so much to Harvest. What is a live versus cured concentrate? A live concentrate is made by flash freezing the freshly harvested marijuana plant and using a solvent to extract the cannabinoids. On the opposite side there, cured concentrates are made using dried or cured marijuana flour. Live concentrates tend to have a higher terpene content, resulting in a more flavorful high. That's interesting. I didn't know that stuff. I'm not. I'm. I'm still learning a lot. This is still, you know, a process, and I'm. I'm comfortable with what we use on a regular basis as medicine, so I don't really go all off that path. So you know, this is a good day to learn maybe a little bit more about it, and a good day to head on over. I'm, I'm in no way affiliated with harvest i know i keep plugging them in no way whatsoever but they're doing this great thing follow them on instagram where they're going to hook you up and like what kind of oil do you need and like it really is another 420 kind of holiday for them in terms of ramping up knowledge ramping up things that i just told you they're just pumping out a lot of good information right now i think there's some 
there's some sales going on too, I think. I would have to imagine that yeah. there definitely Special is. for the holiday, I think, yeah. For sure. I, I would be shocked if there wasn't. But go in. If you want to learn more about it, I have been kind of fucking around a little bit more. So I have some Bubba Kush Shatter that I've tried. And then I've also tried the Deadhead OG Butter. And it's definitely a different beast than smoking flour. It's almost closer to a cart type of flavor and a cart type of inhale as well. Because that's one of the things I wasn't ready for is it's almost like changing viscosity. You know, if you're used to chugging water and somebody says, all right, now chug this maple syrup, it's not going to go down the same way. The whole thing is going to be different. And I find that's the same way in the smoke versus vapor where I take a deep, heavy smoke of flour to get the actual combusted smoke. And then when I go to a vapor, you don't need to hit that hard or that long. And it's so much lighter that it just hits the back of my throat so much quicker. And all of a sudden, like I find myself really choking and coughing. Yeah, coughing spells. Definitely more of those. Because it's, I think maybe too, it's, yeah, it, it feels, str- it feels stronger. Not that it necessarily is, but it feels stronger just because of the, the vapor, as you were saying. Compared to the smoke. Yeah, absolutely. I really do think that that's, that's exactly what happens back in there because it gets a little crazy like, but they are good. It is a different way to get your medicines in. A lot of people turn to them when they find that they're, Flour doesn't get the same kick anymore because they're concentrated. They are stronger, so you can get THC percentages, CBD, different terpenes and levels much higher than you can in a traditional flour. That just about wraps it up for the bud section, everybody. Hopefully you have a fun 710, a safe 710. We're going to have a good time celebrating it for the first time. Maybe try some new oils. We'll post it up on the Instagram. With that in mind, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Please subscribe. All those fun things. But we can head on out of the bud section and enter into the bro section. So headed into this bro section, we own pit bulls. We love pit bulls. And to be quite honest, I've owned lots of dogs. I've had dogs since 1993. I was a three-year-old. So going on 27 years now, I've had a bunch of different dogs. And my boy King is the best dog that I've ever seen. He's a pit bull and I love him more than anything. We're going to go through nine different facts right now to hopefully shed some light on the pit bull. Maybe take somebody's thoughts and 180 them because they really are the best dogs. As you pull up those facts, I just want to talk about our fur babies for a minute so everybody knows who's listening. We've got two dogs that are mixes. They're mutts, uh, mostly pit bull. One boy and one girl. King is the boy. He's, he's, he's sturdy. He's beautiful. You could, you could check out their pictures on the Instagram, too. I'll make sure we get up a photo. They've been playing with their ropes a lot lately, so maybe we'll get an action shot for everybody to see. And then we've also got a female pit bull, Ava. Gigi Rodriguez. She's our. She came from a Puerto Rican home, so she's got her own different last name than the rest of the family, but makes her even more special. But yeah, those are our two babies, and gosh, they are love bugs compared to all those misconceptions. To jump right into it, we're going to go through the nine. So get ready to have your mind blown, guys. Ready? Pitbulls are not actually a breed of dog. The term refers to a variety of breeds like the American Staffordshire Terrier, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, and other such mixes of dogs. So you can't just, yeah, it's not just one thing. Pipples are not a breed. They're, they're a combination. They're a sect of dog, if you will. In the early part of the last century, 
pit bulls were known as nanny dogs. Believe it. It might be hard to believe now with all the bad press they get, but pit bulls were the breed of choice among parents with young children. If you left your kid with a pit bull, they were safe. I believe that. Our dogs follow us around not and don't get in our way. They don't they just need to be close to us just to keep an eye on us. They'll lay on the floor in the bathroom, they'll sit at the doorway of the bathroom when we're in there or, you know, they're always looking and watching for us. They like to have us in their sight. So I can believe that they were nanny dogs for sure. We don't have children of our own, but between us, we have nieces and nephews aplenty. From just my sister alone, we can talk about my three nephews aging in range from really small baby to a toddler with one in between. And if you were to say, Nick, I need to leave your boy King, the one that we talked about, a hundred pound male pit bull alone in this room with these three boys, I would not even hesitate for a second. Not even for a moment would I think that dog would do something. Oh, no, absolutely not. The only thing he would do is make sure they were okay. Maybe maybe give too many kisses. There may be too many kisses given to the baby. Yeah, because the baby would be a baby, wouldn't know to close its mouth, and King would get all up in there. He loves kisses right on the face. He also, she loves kisses on the face too, but she's more of a nose girl. If you have some sinus issues, she'll, she'll help clear you up. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so number three, they originally bred to drive and catch livestock and to serve as the ideal family companions. As you can hear by us swooning over them, we could definitely say the latter is true. I've never seen them try to take down livestock. That's not true. We literally, no no, no pun, no joke here, people. We saw a chicken crossing the road when we were walking them one day, and he kind of looked like, bro, I'd eat that. But other than that, I don't think that he'd hurt anything. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Number four, pit bulls were not bred as guard dogs because they were too friendly. So then to piggyback right on there, they are not inherently aggressive dogs. In fact, in temperament test, pit bulls were the second most tolerant breed of dogs behind golden retrievers. The least temperament dog is a chihuahua. So fuck that. They're not going to bite you. They're really, really nice dogs. I hope. As long as they're raised the right way. Well, I would say that with any dog. Okay, I was just putting it out there because I know somebody... Somebody in the ether was ready with that comment at the keyboard. I heard it clacking. And what they were clacking might be one of the biggest misconceptions ever, guys. All right, you ready for this? They don't have locking jaws. It's a fucking myth. I don't understand why that myth became a thing. I do remember one person saying that, like, I just don't trust them. They can lock their jaws. And I looked at them and went, how many dogs' mouths have you fucking pried apart that you rely on that strategy that this one wouldn't work with. Like, you've never had to do that. So right. just shut the fuck up with that kind of bringing me that shit. And it's a myth, guys. So continuing on even further, sorry to be rushing through these. Just so fascinating. Pitbulls also don't have the strongest bites among all dogs. German Shepherds and Rottweilers have more of a powerful bite than a pit bull. So everything in this list, I really do think, put all of a bunch of bullshit on the table a they're not aggressive b they're really not aggressive c if they were to bite you it's not the worst dog bite that you can ever get and d if they do bite you they're not gonna lock their jaws like people believe it's all bullshit guys it's bad press they're the best dogs ever do you know what this dog's gonna do do you know what i have to worry about with this dog where i sleep at night because he wants to sleep on top of me we share the bed really bad it's it's that's the worst thing he does oh and the farts the Ooh, farts the, are pretty gnarly. The farts are it. really gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> um, from from both of them, they're both pretty bad. 
And they look at you too once they're done, like, oh, you're going to smell that one in a minute. That was a voiceover. That was a dog voice. If you couldn't hear that slight change there, we anthropomorphize our dogs all the time. So they end up having pretty steady voices that we conjure up for them and talk as if they were able to do so themselves. Gosh, we sound ridiculous. A little crazy, but I think everybody gives their dogs voices. This final one is probably the most impressive. Do you want to read this one, dear? Sure. In 1993, a pit bull named Wheela won the Ken L. Ration Dog Hero of the Year Award for her heroic actions following a dam break along the Tijuana River. Over the course of the next three months, Wheela rescued 30 people, 29 dogs, 13 horses, and a cat. She also hauled food to stranded animals and led rescuers to 13 abandoned horses. Good loyal dogs. You know, I don't think that I'm going to change anybody's mind 180 degrees from what they went in thinking about this if they didn't like pit bulls. Hopefully what I could do, though, is just get some more information on it. Go to your animal shelters, people, because as many as 75% of mixed breed dogs and animal shelters, including pit bulls and pit bull mixes, are misidentified as the wrong breed. As we talked about, the idea of a pit bull is not just a breed in general. It is an umbrella of what these dogs have. And since people are afraid of them, different people get or different dogs get put into different groups. Go and find a pit bull. I swear to God, it'll kiss your face off. Yeah, I mean, our poor guy was up in the shelter for nine months before we met him and before we brought him home. And again, this is one of the only dogs, like you can kiss him straight on the mouth. He won't move. It's <laughs> She's uh, the same way. She she likes she likes when you give her a kiss, like a person kiss. I've had huskies, Labradors, uh, hound dogs, collies. I've gone through a gambit of it. And this is the nicest dog I've ever had. And not that the other ones were mean, but honestly, truly, I don't know. In the baby test that we mentioned earlier, if I would leave any other dog but him. I know that that dog, I don't like, we actually found it entertaining. We were talking about, we got these ropes for them. And for once in his life, he's making a scary face as he goes to attack the ropes. Like as he goes to pick it up, he kind of has like a little second where he raises his lips and then he pounces on it, almost like he's hunting. And it's the scariest we've ever seen him. It's the most threatening look he's ever given us. And it has to be while he's playing and sneaking up on something. He's the best dog ever. Hopefully you enjoyed those fun facts about pit bulls, guys. Really, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Just go to your shelter. Adopt. Don't shop. Get out there. Pick up a dog. And it might be one of the greatest things you ever do. With that, we can close on out of the bro section and jump right into the superhero section. Anybody unfamiliar, we're talking about the 2001 Josie and the Pussycats live action movie. Rachel Lee Cook rosario dawson and tara reed as josie mccoy valerie brown and melody valentine the pussycats and for those of you listening who are like superheroes what are you talking about josie and the pussycats are banned this comes from the comic book world of riverdale so we're this is like deep cuts i think from being an outsider i because i wouldn't have known that Yeah, if you like Archie, if you like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, that's all under the same as Josie and the Pussycats in the Archie universe. We also have Paul Costanzo as Alexander Cabot. Missy Pyle plays his sister. Alan Cumming, Parker Posey. It goes on and on. And then we get a lot of um, real-life people in there as well. People playing themselves, yeah. Yeah, because... So the story goes really quickly. We open with a band called Du Jour, who's made up of 
a bunch of too many names. But they figure out this secret that leads us into the movie. Alan Cumming is a record executive working for Parker Posey, who's got to find a new band and stumbles upon the Pussycats. The Pussycats stumble upon the same secret that DuJour did, and that is they're using them, they being record executives, to place subliminal messages in their music and get kids to buy whatever they want. And Josie and the Pussycats eventually save the day and save the world. Going back to how you put it, it's a movie based on a comic book where people save the world. That's what a fucking superhero is. Boom. Right. Written and directed by a duo, Harry Alfont and Deborah Kaplan. First thing I have to bring up off the bat is they made another one of my favorite 90s teen dramas ever, Can't Hardly Wait. I think I've made you watch that. It's the one where the guy meets the girl and she's Jennifer Love Hewitt, but then she dates Mike Braxter for the longest time. And then at a party, they're broken up and he's going to hand her her letter and she doesn't read it. Any bells ringing? No bells. Okay. Seth Green is in it as well and he gets stuck in the bathroom with another girl. <gasps> oh! Boom. There we are. There we go. You remember that scene at least. And then yeah. the other guy's nerdy and he's going to get back at all gotcha. the people. Oh, it's coming back. And he it's, sings, it's take floating me in. down to the paradox city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. And he ends up being the coolest guy at the party. Yes. Right? Gotcha. Cool. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on board. If you know the movie... There is a control room where this conspiracy is being put into effect, where Parker Posey is showing a bunch of government people how they're doing it, and they're making up new trends and new fashions that they will then put into the music. So they're controlling the economy. Basically, the, the, the idea is to have complete control over the economy, what we're buying, what we're, what we're consuming, and um, to show how quickly and easily the mass media could be manipulated. So it's really, really scary to think it, that. It's yeah. really scary. It's really current. And it's also very a self-aware movie because in this control room scene, one of the scrolling marquee messages says, can't hardly write was underrated. Aforementioned, that was the movie that they did and they thought was underrated. Awesome. So yeah, it is. I love, if you love a self-aware movie, this is maybe why I like it as much as I like it. This movie takes every trope about comics and movies and just the entire way we are buying and consuming stuff even all the way back when this movie came out in 2001 and turning it on its head and making us look like a clown while all it's laughing at itself and it's laughing with us almost all at the same right. time it's making a joke out of the whole con conspicuous consumption idea it's pretty right on and one of my other favorite self-aware jokes comes when alexandria and alexander are on the plane the brother and sister duo and Alexander looks at her and he goes, I still don't get why you're here. And she goes, I'm here because I was in the comic book. And he goes, what? And she goes, nothing. Right. And that's 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 the whole plug of the comic book. That's the only time it's mentioned. It's just never brought up again. But it's... I'm here because I was in the comic book. I just, I love that type of self-awareness. The entire thing. So another fun fact about all of this commercialism, consumerism that they're laughing at and making fun of. So... From the beginning to the end, there are 73 companies who have product placements shown. From logos to actual items ranging in entertainment, electronics, fashion, food, hygiene, and cars. No money was received for all the product placement in this film. That's the craziest part. Morgan Spurlock, the Super Size Me guy, made a movie called The Greatest Movie Ever Sold, in which he made a movie about product placement funded 
by product placement. It is super duper meta and he explains and shows just how important it is from E.T. and Reese's Pieces all the way up to James Bond driving a fucking Ashton Martin. These are decisions made by greed, power, and money to make movies. This movie makes fun of it and also doesn't take the fucking buyout, bro. Like, I love that. I I can't believe that because it is from, from moment one, it is branding, 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 branding. Like I, you see a brand every turn you make. And you would think that they would have cashed out on that. They would have made something from having 73 all those different 73 companies. Di- di- right. Like, could you imagine if the they money? They gave them even, yeah, 100,000 each. You're still in the fucking green up above that. Like, that's crazy. Right. Again, in that movie that I just mentioned with the Morgan Spurlock, he sold his highest one for a million. So think of they all gave them a million dollars. That right. would, these would be, a, they would be a good team movie to watch over a weekend, like on a rainy day do like a fun, crazy movie like this and then documentary style and then watch that one. That would be a good double feature for a rainy day. Anybody who's listening and got their spark just a little bit into like, I got to check out Josie and the Pussycats. If you're an HBO Go lover or an HBO Max person, fucking go over to that and watch it. Yeah, it's been it's been playing in the house recently. I have also another funny story about that. For the longest time, they made, so the movie's rated PG-13 with very few cuts. They were able to get it down to a PG for a family-friendly version. And through my love of thrifting and uh, flea markets, I picked up a version. I finally found it. And it was the family-friendly version. And I thought, like, going through it, you could see, like, the differences are small. But if you know the movie as well as I do, they're pretty spot on. But I thought that was funny that they decided to do that. That's, But that, in, in, in essence, is just what the whole thing is about. It's about consumption. Got to make more of a market for myself off of this product That's that I have. That's a good point, dear. Fuck, you're smart. That was awesome. One more fun fact, guys. Rachel Lee Cook, Rosaria Dawson, and Tara Reed had to go to quote-unquote band camp for two weeks to learn how to play the instruments their characters used in order to look correct on screen. Tara Reed going to band camp, that joke didn't go over her head. She was God like, I was in her. a movie called America Pie where everybody goes to band camp. So in the little documentary we watched about making of... She even pointed out how funny it was that she had to go. I think this has got to be one of the smartest decisions ever. As a musician, as a drummer, I specifically watched Tara Reid doing all the scenes. Bitch looks like she knows what she's doing. It's very impressive because I know she doesn't know nearly all. Like, Just there's little fills in there that would take more than two weeks to learn, you know? But she pulls it off, and not only is that a good on her, good on the Bandcamp people, good on the editor, bro. Good job. This movie yeah. is super duper well cut. They also didn't get good enough to perform on the album. They did have people come in and dub over them. One of my favorite bands, Letters to Chloe, Kay Hanley came in and did the Rachel Lee Cook. Now, as we're still hanging out in the 90s with bands and Letters to Chloe, go watch 10 Things I Hate About You because that's the band in that yeah. movie as well. Same band. Not Save Ferris. There's two different bands that play in that movie. Save Ferris and Letters to Chloe. So if you're in a 90s mood where music is going, that's where you got to head to. Maybe that's why this movie stuck out for me as well as it did as two. I love fake bands and movies. We oh, both love yes. the wonders in that thing you oh, do. Oh, man. I Can't Go On, I'll Go On from the movie Band Slam. Another one of my favorites. The Lone Rangers from Airheads. Yes. A great one. This by far, hands down, top number one best fake album by a band that doesn't exist. From three small words all the way to turn around, this movie soundtrack bumps. If you like pop punk, 
again, you got to jump into this. Yeah, I definitely. I, I'm, I'm not going to say it's the best. I'm I'm going to stick with the wonders on that. You can you could hash that out with my cousin next time he's on because I think he would have to agree with me because um, we are wonders fans. But it is it is a fun a fun album. It's very catchy. You find yourself singing the song as if it were a song on the radio rather than a made up song for a band mo- a movie band. I think it's it's really really worth the watch. As I'm just reading, I'm learning a fun little thing right now. Maybe this also has to do with the aforementioned PG version. Due to the levels of profanity and adult themes, the family-friendly Archie Comics, which published the original Josie and the Pussycat stories, would denounce the film and discourage people from seeing it. (gasps) Which is fucked up, because now in 2017, when that Riverdale show came out, they were like, watch it. And that's twice as bad. I think people get killed in that. Oh, I think it's pretty dark, yeah. I think so. And Sabrina the Teenage Witch, as for mentioned, is also part of that. And our cousins were just saying, like, it's dark. It's, it goes pretty deep in the paint, you know? It's no fucking Melissa Joan Hart bullshit going on. It's Right, there's some, like, serious heavy magic kind of stuff going on that's kind of dark. Alan Cummings' character tells the girls how lucky they are to be able to get back at their 10-year reunion such huge successes. Whereas three years earlier, he played that character in Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion in which he was a guy who got to go to his 10-year reunion and be super famous. Oh, is that the same character? Alan Cumming. Um, who anybody out there is like, I know that name. He was Nightcrawler in X2. The blue guy who puffs around with a tail. You. Yeah, you got it. As we were talking about, too, the meta-ness of this, one of the people who shows up is Carson Daly. Oh, he's great in this. He's really funny in it, too. And to get on TRL, how bad did you want to be on TRL when you were a kid? I got to see TRL live on a field trip. It was the coolest moment you ever. Sat in the studio? I sat in the studio and saw part of a TRL episode. Yeah, they Bro. pulled us off the street. It was amazing. Senior year of high school. That's great. That's so amazing too. Like because I came from New Jersey, I used to go into the city all the time. And my story was, I used to see the window and watch the taping it. And bitch comes in here and she's like, "Shut the fuck up with your dumb window story." I sat in there. <laughs> That's awesome. And I never told you that. Like, no, it's just, we're still learning things about each other. It's still, still new. Yeah, Zach and Miri was wrong. You don't run out of shit to talk about after the first year. But anyway, Carson Daly met Tara Reid on the set there and they got engaged and they were together for a little bit. No shit. Because it's funny, in the movie, she uh, hits him with a Matt Damon cutout. You have to see the movie to understand it. And she goes, yeah, right. Like I'd ever date a guy like you. And then she went on to date a guy like him. Whoa. What's he doing? Where are you, Carson? Are you listening to this? I do have to say one thing I dislike about the movie is... And it's not really about the movie. It's about 90s clothing is how low we wore our pants. I don't know how we functioned with pants as low on our hips as these girls wear in this movie. It's incredible. I think it's another moment of heroics to be living life in pants like that. Just <laughs> just had to say that. I still kind of do that, I guess. I don't know. Do the bag or do the saggy jeans also count as low riders? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Yours aren't super. You you don't have your whole rear end hanging out though, so That's it's true. not like you're not. You're more of a loose fit kind of guy than I've a got sag. a giant belly. Yeah, my waist isn't exactly where it can be because I've got this protruding gut coming out the front, so they can't exactly hang where I need them to. So they've got to just ride a little bit lower. The nineties were a fun time for fashion. Bowl cuts. I definitely had a fucking bowl cut that I was rocking hardcore back then. The big spiked or like the balls around your neck, mm-hmm. the chains and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, there's bands. tons of necklaces and 
choke choke necklaces. What were they called? Chokers. Chokers. Yeah, chokers. There's uh, every girl in this movie is wearing some kind of key '90s fashion through the whole thing, so it's pretty on point. But God, whew, what were we thinking? I don't know. Was there anything that you disliked about this movie? No, I've been watching it since I was a kid, and every time I watch it, I just find more and more to like about it. Yeah, you love this. I love anything that's self-aware, and this is very self-aware. I love anything that breaks the fourth wall. This does this quite often. It, I like anything that can take itself seriously, but not too seriously, you know? Like, I take pride in my work, but I'm not proud or something like that almost, you know? Yeah. That's kind of what it reminds me of, and that's kind of been my thing, too. I was just talking to Roy, who's been on the show more than once. He's making a movie himself. And I say, if I ever make anything like this, I want it to be like this. You know, I feel like if I was to ever take on a comic book movie, it would be Deadpool for that reason of just like, I could break the fourth wall and make fun of myself as I'm doing it. I'm not a very serious person. And I like that this is a good movie. It's written well. It's acted well. It's shot well. It's edited well. It does all those things while still being a good fucking time. And it's just mechanically, I don't know. it just works. Mechan- yeah. Fucking a God damn. You're so fucking smart with those words. Mechanically, everything comes together perfectly. The three girls aren't even my favorite. Rosario Dawson is out of all three of them. Fuck. Do I love Rosario Dawson? Mostly because she's always going to be Becky and clerks too to me, but also in terms of crossing genres, a lot of people are know her from her work in the Marvel shows. She's voiced wonder woman a few times. Yeah. She's, she's, she's fucking kick ass. Yeah, She's awesome. But as Val, it just, it fits in. And I don't feel like Val is any more important than Josie. Josie's no more important than Val. Like, it is a true three-piece ensemble. And even between them, we get a lot of time with Wyatt, uh, Alan Cumming and Parker Posey. The whole thing works. And their surprise at the end is one of my favorites. So, spoiler alert, guys. They, they know each other from high school. And they've both just been pretending this whole time. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to see the villain at the end. The message in the movie kind of comes across clear of really wave your freak flag as high as you can and don't be ashamed of it. And I also needed that when I was 11 years old. It really made something, maybe settled something important to me. Because here I am at this very moment waving my freak flag as fly as I can. And And I love you for it. Thank you for watching Josie and the Pussycats with me like a billion times as oh, well. Oh, you're so welcome. Because to be honest, we've talked about it so much. Guess what we're probably going to have to go do? We're probably going to have to watch this movie probably again. We're going to have to watch this movie again, guys. So that's going to wrap it up here, guys, for this week on Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. I really, truly hope that everybody has a great 710, goes out, adopts a pit bull, and watches Josie and the Pussycats with them. Because it's going to lead to a killer fucking day. I guarantee you. Thank you to my lovely wife for coming back, sitting in this chair with me, talking, and as I said before, watching Josie and the Pussycats way too many times than a human being should. I love you, dear. Thank you for being here. Thanks for letting me come on and yak about our babies and sit across from you at this table. I love it. I love you. I love you guys as well, the listeners. Once again, I'm going to harp. If you're not already subscribed, if you're not following, all those fun things on the internet would be great. But the best thing I can ask for is a word of mouth. Because I'm telling you, if you know a friend who likes Buzz Bros or Superheroes, have I got a fucking show for them. My name is Nick James. I'm Megaliza. This has been Buzz Bros and Superheroes, and we are uh, out of here.